0: Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Historically Speaking Podcast, Uncommon History with an unconventional pair. I'm Rebecca Robbins.
1: And I'm Kim Kimmel.
0: I'm a singer and actress.
1: And I'm a retired history teacher.
0: He was my history teacher in college.
1: And now we've been married for 22 years.
0: Sometimes quirky, Sometimes obscure.
1: But this is the kind of history you actually want to remember.
2: Hello, and welcome to Episode 39 of Historically Speaking Podcast. Today we have a very cheery topic for you.
1: Yes, yes, a quite optimistic uh, topic.
2: The Black Death. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it is kind of appropriate considering we've been in a pandemic for three years.
1: Yes, I suppose it is, Germaine. Now, when
2: did it first appear?
1: The origins of the Black Death in the 14th century are, are a bit obscure. Traditionally, it was looked upon as beginning in China. Others think, though, it wasn't so much China, but Central Asia. So, that's when it begins as far as when it comes to europe we know the exact year 1347.
2: wow that's early
1: what happened was a number of ships from genoa some genoese ships with sailors coming from the black sea from the crimean region arrived in sicily and some of the sailors were already dead others died very shortly thereafter Uh, they were actually known as the death ships and this is the introduction of the black death into europe
2: that sounds terrifying.
1: It was terrifying. The Black Death is the greatest plague to ever hit mankind as far as just the sheer number of people killed or a percentage of the population of the earth killed. It's estimated any at least 75 million people died. And it could have been worldwide. Except, right, there
2: were that many people. You mean through the centuries.
1: At first, uh, 75 million. It could have been as much as 200 million.
2: There were that many people on Earth in the 1300s?
1: We're not quite sure about that. We think that uh, mankind first hit a billion people sometime in the 19th century, two billion around 1930. So the 200 million figure is really the outlier. But in Europe, it was tens of millions of people.
2: Wow, so it starts in Sicily.
1: Well, it actually starts in some place in Asia, comes to the Black Sea region, then comes to Sicily in 1347. Then it begins to spread significantly through Italy, through France, eventually up into England, to Germany.
2: So pretty quickly. Spain.
1: It spreads very quickly. The height of the Black Death, in Europe anyway, was 1347 to 1351, that four-year period. But it would periodically reappear for centuries. It would go away. It would come back and so on. The Great Plague... In England in 1665, when Charles II was king, remember when we covered him in the restoration, uh, the great plague that Daniel Defoe wrote about in the Journal of the Plague Year was in 1665, and that decimated London, and that was another reappearance of the Black Death.
2: So it had been dormant Well, it would
1: go dormant for a while, and it would come back 30 years later, 50 years later, and so on through the centuries. Uh, It It just makes
2: you wonder what brought it back and what made it go dormant? That's
1: a good question. I mean, there was another outbreak of it in the 18th century, I believe that was in uh, Russia, and it's still with us to this day. That's scary. Black Death has not completely gone away. It reappears in certain parts of the world, a few hundred cases, maybe a thousand or two thousand cases a year. But because of antibiotics, if you get to it fast enough, and you have to get to it fast, the recovery rate is overwhelming. But antibiotics weren't developed until 1928.
2: Well, first we should talk about what it actually is.
1: The Black Death is actually a bacterial infection, and the specific bacteria is called Yersinia pestis. It's called Yersinia because a French bacteriologist named Alexander Yersin discovered this particular bacteria. He himself was a bacteriologist.
2: Uh, when, a doctorate... when are we talking?
1: What? Uh, He was born in the 1860s. He died in the 1940s. He discovered this particular, he discovered the culprit of the Black Death in the 1890s. That
2: took a while.
1: Yeah, it took a while, and he gets credit by most for discovering this. That's why it's called Yersinia pestis after him, Yersin. I
2: see. What's the pestis from?
1: I think it's Latin for pest. (laughs) Okay then, <laughs> or something close to that. I guess I better uh,
2: brush up on my Latin skills. Right,
1: right, right. I can't last. Uh, I can't remember the last time I was at reading Latin. That's been a while. But uh, in any case, the thing about the Black Death is it had three forms. There was the bubonic plague, there was the pneumonic plague, and there was the septicemic plague.
2: Well, everybody's heard of the bubonic plague.
1: The bubonic plague. Uh, the main theory accepted is that this came from fleas on rats infected fleas on black rats coming from the Crimean region and even before that from so someplace I guess the in rats Asia.
2: would get on the ships
1: right well, yeah in some every of the ship cargo. Had, every ship had rats and the fleas would bite an individual the bubonic plague has to do with the lymph nodes it would get into the lymph nodes and it would create these bulbos. that's why it was called bubonic plague And it would create these horrible pustules in your neck, on your armpit, in your groin area. I've seen the photos of them because it still exists to some extent. Uh, They're horrible. They're full of pus and all kinds of wicked stuff. And uh, it will kill you. The average person would die anywhere from one day to eight days later.
2: That's fast.
1: The bubonic plague, uh, at least 80% of people who got the bubonic plague... Died from it, and it's oftentimes a horrible death. 80%. Now,
2: eighty percent. Now I'm curious about that twenty percent.
1: Well, at least eighty percent could have been ninety percent.
2: Okay, I guess it's hard to tell from the records that were kept around that time.
1: Yes. I mean, that... I guess
2: we'd be dealing with census,
1: and that's that's a it's it's a very difficult problem. Just the demographics of say medieval Europe, how many people there were in England at the time, in France, etc. London was a city of about fifty thousand people, and about half of London died from the black plague in the
2: 1300s Yeah, later.
1: in the 1300s just in the in, in the, first in the original the... stage mm-hmm, of the black death.
2: So was it mainly in cities?
1: Uh, no, it 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 went into the countryside. It also killed a lot of animals. For instance, it killed so many sheep that uh, the wool industry suffered for decades and decades because of a dearth of sheep. So it could kill other animals, not just man. A lot of livestock died. It went into the rural areas. It went pretty much throughout all of Europe. There were certain small portions of Eastern Europe that seemed to be largely spared. but And it was worse in some places. It was worse in Italy than it was in England, but it was bad everywhere. And there were many people who would go to bed at night perfectly healthy, feeling fine, and they would be dead by morning.
2: Well, they probably had fleas in their beds.
1: Well, this is how fast it could act on many individuals. Now, the pneumonic portion of this plague was lung-oriented so that it could be transmitted through the air into the lungs.
2: Like a SARS virus.
1: Yes. And if you got the pneumonic plague, you had over a 90% chance of dying.
2: So it was even more lethal
1: it was even more lethal and finally the rarest of the three was the septicemic plague which was directly infection of the blood and if you got the septicemic version it was virtually 100 percent certainty of death so no matter which one it was bubonic or mnemonic, now did
2: it evolve from bubonic to pneumonic it to... seems
1: to have hit all at once in the 14th century i can't be more specific than that it Killed probably somewhere in the area of 50% of the European population.
2: 50%? Yes, yeah,
1: the greatest plague. There was a tremendous plague in the 6th century during the time of Justinian and Theodore. I remember we covered their marriage. Oh, sure. And there would be another tremendous plague at the end of the 19th century. And then, of course, you'd have the Spanish flu at the end of World War One and so on. But the Black Death, as far as a percentage of the population, not just in Europe, but in uh, the Middle East in Asia, killed a greater percentage of the population of mankind than any other plague in history.
2: Now, did it go down to Africa and yeah, North Africa,
1: at least, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And um, it's just, it, it was horrible. And, of course, many individuals, they didn't know anything about antibiotics. The first antibiotics were developed in 1928 by Alexander Fleming. And it wasn't until about a decade later, as you move into the 1940s, that they really began to be dispensed, refined. Uh, and used extensively. Uh, Of course, they knew nothing. So that's
2: not that long ago, really.
1: Oh, no, it's just a century ago, if that.
2: I mean, there's still people living who... Well, the
1: problem with antibiotics now is that since the 1970s, bacteria have become more and more resilient to antibiotics. So they're constantly finding that there's greater resiliency being developed by bacteria against antibiotics that didn't exist as much as in the 1940s and 50s and 60s.
2: That makes you wonder, I mean, if that's the case, is yes. there a form of the bubonic plague that may...
1: Or some other kind of bacterial infection. I I do not know.
2: So tell me how it kind of shaped European history, because I'm sure... It shaped
1: European history in many ways. It had many social and economic consequences, a few of them good. <laughs> because so many people died off, including peasants, labor was scarce. And so one of the reasons given for the ending of feudalism in the many parts of Europe in the late Middle Ages was that because labor was scarce, individuals started to be paid and it actually increased wages and it allowed peasants to buy plots of land, et cetera, because labor was so dear. Now, there were laws against wages being risen and there were a lot of... Uh,
2: against wages? Dear? Against
1: wages being risen. Yes, there were laws passed against that. And there were many riots in Europe by lower class elements. Because of that, understandably, like in France, uh, certainly the Peasants' Revolt in 1381 in England is another example. And, uh, but it had certain positive consequences in that because labor was so dear, it actually gave peasants more uh leeway and of course being in a very religious age many in the christian world also in the islamic world thought that this was somehow punishment from the deity and there was a tremendous amount of religious elements attached to all of this and of course medicine was quite primitive at the time
2: yeah do we even have leeches yet
1: uh if they did uh i don't know that for certain but uh I don't know if they have something equivalent to Clorox or something like that, but I'm not so sure that that would have done anything.
2: No, I'm talking about leeches. Oh, leeches.
1: I said leeches. I mean, I don't think think leeches were used uh, for uh, trying to remedy the Black Death, but whatever was used didn't work. I mean, people I can't
2: even imagine what the medical people were trying to. Well,
1: what compounds all this is that before the Black Death ever hit in the late 1340s in Europe, uh the world began to cool down it's known as the uh i mean it's the ending of the of the medieval warm period the medieval warm period may have begun as early as 700 certainly by 900 AD and until about 1300 AD things warmed up it was warmer a thousand years ago than it is now that's not disputed as to why it is that's that is
2: that's disputed uh,
1: right but around 1300, the world began to cool down, and you had a lot of crop failures. From 1315 to 1322, a lot of people starved to death because there were so many crop failures because things had gotten so cold. So you already had a weakened European population by the time the Black Death hit. Oh, because
2: they weren't getting proper right, nutrition. in
1: 1347. So the 14th century was a pretty negative century in many ways, and... Uh, and, of course, they didn't understand so much at the time, and they took the – there was another feature about the Black Death, and that was that this led to persecution of Jews because Jews were – Why? Blamed. Well, Jews were blamed – Jews are blamed for loads of things they never did, but they're still blamed this for Right, They
2: are still being blamed for things right. that they have I mean, absolutely are, nothing to there do There are with. people
1: that actually accept the protocols of the elders of Zion as authentic when, in fact, it was made up by the czarist Russian police – about this cabal of Jewish bankers and Jewish businessmen wanting to control the world. It's complete nonsense. But uh, anti-Semitism has always been with us. It's certainly, I think it's on the rise again. I think it is too, sadly. And uh, oftentimes when things went wrong, Jews got blamed.
2: So they were blamed for this.
1: Yes, there were there were pogroms against the Jews. Uh, there's a theory that the reason why fewer Jews got the Black Death is that they had uh, better sanitation than your average individual. Oh, because and so, of all their
2: religious laws about food and right. what you eat and what you don't eat. And
1: so that there's a possibility that fewer Jews actually got the Black Death because of sanitation reasons or reasons related to that. And of course, then they were blamed for that. It's
2: almost like they can't win.
1: Yes, that's why I think a lot of Jews are glad that Israel exists. It is uh, a, a great uh, haven and bastion, although I think America is a great place for Jews traditionally, too, and that is a credit to America. But uh, interestingly enough, the Polish king at the time, Casimir the Great. At, Kashmir, which time? at In the 14th century, okay. during the Black Death. He reigned from sure. 1333 to 1370, the III. He invited Jews to Poland. And this is really the beginning of a significant population of Jews in Poland, which would increase as the centuries go on, so that by the 17th century, 75-80% of the Jewish population of the world lived in Poland. Now, Casimir III promised Jews that they would be safe in Poland, and he was good for his word. I mean, he made sure that they were not harmed, that uh, they Now, what
2: was his motivation behind this?
1: Well, I think part of it, uh, you know, you don't have to be completely altruistic to still be praised. I think that it was a counter against the Polish nobility. I think he saw some business opportunities here. I think uh, some of it might have been humanitarianly oriented, but he was good for his word. And uh, so when the Poles went into Poland in the 14th century, it was kind of a safe haven for them from other places. That was another development about the Black Death. But it would it would reappear century after century. By 1500, there were fewer people in Europe than there were in 1300. Wow! It took centuries and centuries for uh, the population to get back to where it was before the Great Famine of 1315 to 1322, and then the Black Death from 1347 to 1351.
2: That's an amazing statistic.
1: And Florence was really devastated. I think uh out of uh, it had maybe 120,000 people and they lost something like 70,000 out of 120,000. But what fascinates me is that the black death is still with us.
2: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, it can but if you get it in time within 24 hours. But how would you know? Well, that's just it. Sometimes you might have it in an incubation period and not know you have it Now everybody's
2: going to be paranoid that they start feeling something funny.
1: I think it does not exist in Europe at all. It appears very rarely in the United States. In the third world, it can appear. I think there's something like 1,000, 2,000 cases a year that appear. But uh, it's nasty stuff. You have to understand the late Middle Ages in this context. Because late Middle Ages, the 14th and 15th centuries, were in many ways a very depressing period.
2: It sounds uh, like it.
1: Right. Although it's also the beginning of the Italian Renaissance in the 14th century, which is very interesting. So there's there's some positives there. And then I mentioned the economic positives for some peasants.
2: So once it died down in the 14th century,
1: mm-hmm.
2: when was another great appearance of it?
1: Uh, it reoccurred as early as the late 14th century and then a couple times, a few times in the 15th century, 16th century, um, The last outbreak in in Britain was the Great Plague of 1665. And then, of course, the Great Plague in England was followed by the Great Fire of London the next year in 1666, which might have actually had the benefit of killing a lot of the rats. Oh, that may
2: have been infected.
1: Right. And remember, Charles II was doing the Great Fire of London. He was out there with buckets, too, trying to put out the fire. I mean, as we know, Charles II was a man of the people. He sure and, was. Uh, he didn't shirk his responsibility. How much of
2: to... London burned in that fire?
1: Oh, I think it was uh, at least half because it was so made out of wood. So many places were made out of wood. Oh, There's something else, too, right. about the Black Death that's interesting, and that is, according to most theories, it was carried by the black rat, okay? But the black rat was replaced by the early modern European period principally by the brown rat, which is known as the Norwegian rat. And the Norwegian rat seems to be more resistant to the fleas than the fleas on the black rat. And so another theory as to why the black death eventually died out is that brown rats replaced black rats.
2: So was that like an evolutionary thing?
1: I think it was just that the brown rats, according to this theory, had more resistance to uh, the fleas that existed on the black rat. And the thing about the fleas is what would happen is the bacteria would get into the fleas themselves. Uh, and then they would ha- be voraciously hungry, and then they would attack a host, whether it was a human being, a sheep, a dog, or whatever. And that's how it oftentimes got into the lymph nodes. Sometimes into the blood, but usually into the lymph nodes. That's the bubonic part.
2: One little sleep bite.
1: Yeah, terrible. Greatest plague. So who in
2: the who do you think was the most famous person who died of this?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that.
2: Because I'm sure this hit royalty as well as
1: they did. Well, if you royalty man. and and the uh, upper aristocracy, they sequestered themselves in many places in their castles in remote areas, and that probably helped.
2: But they would have rats there too.
1: Well, I don't know how much they understood. All of this came from a ref fleas on rats, etc. There was a lot of indecision and a lot of uh, ignorance that existed. It's only later on that we really come. Well, they're like
2: putting that. the pieces of a puzzle together.
1: I don't know how many. People put the pieces of the puzzle together correctly in the 14th century?
2: Probably not a lot. It was right. a new thing. And
1: once again, religiously speaking, it was looked upon as a deserved curse from God because man was evil and all that.
2: So, was there a big rush to the church to kind of.
1: I think there was a repent? great. I think there was a movement in the late Middle Ages to a greater amount of mysticism. I think that. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it was more religious than the high Middle Ages, but it was certainly at least as religious, yes. But I mean, loads of people saw this as punishment from from the deity.
2: Wow. So the last major outbreak.
1: The last major outbreak in England was uh, 1665. Uh, I believe there was a major outbreak in the Russian area as late as the 1780s. And then it kind of died out and um, periodically revisited. But uh, once antibiotics were developed, uh, that really pretty much wiped it out almost completely. The only disease that can be completely wiped out is smallpox. That has been totally eradicated, but I've often wondered if we're not going to develop some kind of virus or bacteria for which there will be no cure, and it will just wipe us all out.
2: No, science will keep up. Well,
1: you're the optimist.
2: That's true, as we learned in our last episode. (laughs) In our last
1: episode, and Clarence Darrow and his pessimism or whatever, I'm more inclined toward, but... It had many dimensions. By the way, the term Black Death was not used at the time. The term Black Death really only began to be used to describe this horrible plague in the 18th century. So it was only in retrospect that it was called the Black Death.
2: And why was it called that?
1: Uh, There's different theories as to how that originated. Some think it originally came from Danish. I don't know how you say the Black Death in Danish, but they started to use it. You don't know? No, I don't know. No, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> That's a are five. Right. It's
1: my loss, not speaking Danish. But
2: but it had nothing to do necessarily with what happened physically. It's not like places of your body turned black.
1: Actually, in some instances, yeah, especially the bubonic part, you know, the, the pustules would, would become very black looking, yes. And it was a horrible death.
2: I can only imagine. It
1: was. Uh, the lucky ones were the ones that died in a day. I mean, if, you probably
2: if, actually want somebody to kill you. Yeah.
1: If you suffered for a week, it was a, a gruesome death.
2: I mean, smallpox was not a great death either. No,
1: absolutely not. It kills off lots of people. But if you do survive smallpox, then you're immune from it the rest of your life. George Washington is an example. Elizabeth I of England is another example that had smallpox. If you can survive it, I I think there's a, I believe there's a theory that if you do get smallpox and survive, people that did... It makes them infertile. They cannot bear children.
2: Oh, I see.
1: Uh, But I don't know that that's absolutely certain. I have come across that. I don't know if that is... It wouldn't
2: surprise me, I mean...
1: Well, Washington never had any children, nor did Elizabeth. But that doesn't itself go. it doesn't itself prove anything. I must say though that the late Middle Ages were a period of great beauty. I mean, you have the beginning of the Italian Renaissance uh, with respect to Gothic architecture in the 14th century. You have decorated Gothic in the 15th century. You have perpendicular Gothic. Uh,
2: I don't know what that means.
1: But which is various stages of Gothic architecture. Okay. Uh, so artistically. The late Middle Ages still have uh, a lot of merit. And of course, by the late Middle Ages, Italy was actually coming out of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance was being formed. Which is a
2: lovely period of history.
1: It is, uh, minus the Black Death and the Great Famine. Well. And uh, whatever. Can't have it all. Yeah.
2: But you had art and music.
1: You did. It's a fascinating period, but the Black Death was just.
2: I guess people lived in, in fear.
1: Oh, yeah. Their whole the life. Fear, oh, and and people avoided other people, and there was panic. It's all
2: sounding very familiar.
1: And there was blame extended here and there, like against the Jews, scapegoats, all of that.
2: I would think even the sailors would get some. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think you were fire. probably safest the in the more the more remote areas you could get to in the forests and such. But then you had to live off the land, et cetera, and even that wasn't a guarantee. Just
2: amazing this little bacteria.
1: Yes, and uh, wasn't discovered until the 1890s. But I think it's important to understand the Black Death was a bacterial infection, not a viral infection.
2: Like we have now.
1: Right, and it had the, the three different forms I mentioned, bubonic, pneumonic, and septicemic.
2: So I would say if you lose half the population of Europe, that changes the history pretty dramatically. Oh,
1: dramatically. I mean, it just completely uh, altered, I think, forever. It certainly uh, makes European you think, what if... Yeah, there were there were places that suffered over sixty percent loss of the population, even seventy percent.
2: I mean, I don't know how towns and and smaller cities could have survived that.
1: What well, didn't? Or they became ghost towns, at least temporarily. One of the most fascinating things I found about the Black Death is how it keeps reoccurring for centuries. It keeps it goes away, then it that's comes what, back.
2: That's what's kind of terrifying about it. Yeah. that you think it's gone, you think yeah. it's dead,
1: mm-hmm. and then it comes back.
2: And then it comes back. Right. Uh,
1: I think it does make an appearance in America. A few hundred cases a year, but wow. then it's completely treated by antibiotics. You got to get it early though, twenty first, twenty four, forty eight hours, something like that. Okay. That's
2: it. Any last thoughts?
1: Uh, no, I don't think so. I just hope that uh, mankind eventually eradicates virtually all disease, like it did smallpox. That would be great.
2: That would be fantastic.
1: But uh, that's a long way off. I think it was. I think it might have been Socrates that said that uh, the more you know, the more you realize you know nothing. And that's the beginning of wisdom. Hmm.
2: I feel pretty wise right now. <laughs> How about that?
1: Okay. So are we done?
2: I guess we are finished with this topic. Yes. So next time.
1: Next time. we're
2: episode 40.
1: episode 40, we're going to deal with a fascinating human being, a very complex and perplexing human being, T.E. Lawrence, uh, the British officer.
2: Or as they say in the film, Orange.
1: <laughs> orange, yes.
2: Oh, and the musical score for that film is incredible.
1: Yes, and I think David Lean directed it. I think you're right. Yeah.
2: Peter O'Toole.
1: And it was made on location.
2: Yeah, the cinematography is stunning. Right.
1: So that's our next topic, Lawrence Arabia. Now,
2: just full disclosure, our next episode may be delayed by one week.
1: Do you want to tell our people why?
2: (laughs) Because I'm working, finally. Yes. I'm doing a show in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I'm doing The Sound of Music. So I will be in the middle of our technical rehearsals before opening night. So as much as I would love to be able to get this podcast to you in time, it might be impossible.
1: Right. So it might be delayed. Just a heads up. Right.
2: All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for being supportive of us and our
0: podcast. And until next time, stay well, stay safe.
1: Yes. Goodbye.
0: Well, friends, here we are at the end of the podcast. Be sure to check out the links in the show description to find some of the resources we used for this episode. Also, if you've enjoyed listening, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a virtual high five by leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. And if you'd like to connect with us directly, you can find us at historicallyspeakingpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at historicallyspeakingpodcast. That's it for today. And again, thanks for sharing part of your day with us. And remember, if you want to know what the future holds, study the past.